Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey there, my name's Michael Laminato, and this is Practice Day at the 2023 Italian Grand Prix on Pit Pass F1. Pass F1 is brought to you by Evergreen Podcasts. And on today's episode, someone other than Max Verstappen tops practice, with Carlos Sainz giving the home fans something to cheer about on a good day for Ferrari. But they do well not to get too far ahead of themselves. We're clearly yet to see the best from Red Bull Racing, though it does seem like we're set up for a qualifying thriller. And there's clearly no love lost between Mercedes and Red Bull Racing off-track, with team bosses Christian Horner and Toto Wolff engaged in a skirmish of words over lead drivers. To talk us through it, and the surprise McLaren result that's caught the attention of the paddock, it's over to your host, Luke Smith. My name is Luke Smith, Senior Formula One racer for The Athletic. And I'm back with your latest roundup following Friday's practice running for the Italian Grand Prix at Monza. This weekend is always a very special one for Ferrari, as I touched on in Thursday's podcast. And there was always that uncertainty about how the team would really perform this weekend. Its form has swung back and forth so much this year, Zandvoort being a really, really rough one for the Scuderia. But the early signs coming out of Monza suggest it might be quite a positive race weekend for the home favourites. Now, I'm not saying that Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz are surefire contenders for pole or the victory, but Friday was a largely positive day for the Italian team. Carlos Sainz ended the day with the fastest time, his best lap putting him 0.019 seconds clear of his old McLaren teammate Lando Norris at the head of the timesheets. Sainz also managed to finish second in FP1, pointing to the inherent pace of the Ferrari. Leclerc wound up 6th in second practice, but he was only 3 tenths of a second down on Sainz's best lap, showing the fine margins that are separating the field so far at Monza. Ferrari has really struggled for form at some tracks this year, and I think that Zandvoort swing we saw, where it wasn't even a top 5 car, really illustrates just how quickly things can turn around for the team. But what I have noticed is that Ferrari doesn't tend to start a weekend strongly and then tail off, or vice versa. It's kind of representative right the way through the weekend of how it's feeling and where it's looking. So I think that you look at how it performed at Spa, of course another low downforce circuit, to be doing well at Monza maybe isn't that much of a surprise. Still, I think Ferrari can be really, really pleased with the positive step they've started this weekend on. For Sainz in particular, it was also a nice little birthday present as he celebrated turning 29 years old on Friday. Now, another team that was surprisingly impressive through Friday's practice running was McLaren. If we go back five weeks to the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa, the straight line performance of McLaren's car was, well, practically non-existent. We saw Norris and Piastri really struggling in the dry. They had no chance at all of keeping any of the other cars back. And even when DRS was working and the wing was set up to try and maximize the power of DRS, they didn't really stand much of a chance. Now, we know McLaren has been working hard to try and turn around this car from where it was at the start of the season, and it has made undoubtedly huge steps forward with the podiums that Norris scored at Silverstone and in Hungary as well. 
but the upgrade package was never going to be complete until these last couple of European races, and part of that was the low downforce package. According to team principal Andreas Stella, who spoke in the FIA press conference on Friday, he said the team had to do some rapid corrective work to get the low downforce package ready for the Italian Grand Prix, knowing that without it, it would be left in a world of pain along the long straights. During the car presentation, when all 10 teams are required to place their cars out in the pit lane for fans and snooping journalists such as myself to go and have a look at, I had a real good look at the updated rear wing, which is so much skinnier than the spec that was used at Spa. I know Spa you can compromise a little bit, maybe try and set things up for that middle sector, but it was really such a stark contrast seeing the trimmed out wing that's now on the back of the MCL60. In order to gather more data, McLaren opted to run split setups on Norris's and Oscar Piastri's car through FP1, helping push the team in the right direction. And it was something that it did appear to do very well. Norris finished FP2 in second, while Piastri was only two spots behind in P4. A pretty good day for McLaren then. By now, I'm sure you're wondering, Luke, you're like a third of the way through this podcast and you've still not mentioned Max Verstappen and Red Bull, the dominant team and driver of this season. Where do they fit into the conversation at the front of the pack? Well, Verstappen's bid for a record-breaking 10th straight victory this weekend didn't actually get off to the best of starts. He only could finish fifth fastest in FP2, almost three tenths of a second off the pace set by Sainz in P1. Now Verstappen did get a toe along the main straight from Sergio Perez and the sister Red Bull to start his best lap, but he then hit some traffic when he was in the middle sector. Verstappen asked if he could do another lap, try and get into the groove a little bit more, but he was told by his engineer GP on the radio that it wasn't qualifying, so there wasn't any point. Verstappen snapped back and said he wanted to try and get a better feel for where he could make up time and maybe make a bit of a step forward, but GP said no, he couldn't go for another qualifying simulation. There was then a funny exchange between the two on the radio at the end of the session when GP asked Max if he'd learned anything in the second half of his running, to which Max replied, no, not really. GP then told him, well done then, they really are like an old married couple. And I do think that the radio exchanges between drivers such as Verstappen and his engineer, and even Lando Norris, whose comments at the start of the race in Zanvor have really been debated back and forth and whether he was overstepping the mark, maybe being a bit too harsh on his team. But all of the great team and driver partnerships in F1, they rely on this kind of honesty, this kind of unfiltered, look, I'm gonna say something, you may not like it now, but in the heat at the moment, they can just let it wash over them. And I think that's something that really does work well with Verstappen and GP. McLaren boss Stella did also talk about Norris's radio comments from Zambor in the press conference. And he said that it was a good characteristic that Lando could be honest. He could tell McLaren how he was feeling at that time and that nothing would be taken personally. Yes, it is maybe a bit of a fine line to balance at times in terms of is a driver going too far. But for the most part, I think it's actually a really positive thing that they can have these kind of open, honest conversations. Anyway, back to Verstappen and where he stacks up this weekend. He said after FP2 that there was still a little bit more Red Bull could do with its setup to try and get in a bit of a nicer window heading into the rest of the weekend. And that came in counter to the positivity of Sergio Perez, who held the day as being one of the best Fridays of the season so far, which was actually quite odd because he finished the day in the wall. During his final long run at the end of FP2, Perez ran a little bit wide at the exit of Parabolica, or I guess we call it Alboreto now, and touched the gravel on the left-hand side of the track. It sent his Red Bull into a spin, and the rear of the car hit the barrier at the exit of the corner. 
Perez tried to get back onto the track only to beach the car in the gravel, causing a red flag. It was a clumsy error in a very low pressure situation, but Perez brushed it off speaking after the session, saying the damage on the car was fairly small and that he'd simply tried to keep the car nailed, resulting in such a crash. Another driver whose day came to an early end was Lance Stroll. After Aston Martin team principal Mike Crack spoke on Thursday about having no concerns over Stroll's form, despite the fact he's scored less than a third of Fernando Alonso's points this year, Stroll failed to start this weekend on the right foot, a time when he really could do with a big result. He stepped aside in FP1 to allow Aston Martin's reserve driver, Felipe Drogovic, to complete one of the team's two required young driver sessions for the season. But Stroll could then only complete just one lap in FP2 after a fuel system issue forced him to park up at the side of the track. Not an ideal start at all to the Canadian's weekend. Now one thing to bear in mind that maybe clouded Friday's practice picture a little bit is the alternative tyre allocation that is back in force this weekend at Monza. The ATA requires drivers to run hard tyres in Q1, mediums in Q2 and softs in Q3. It also reduces the number of tyre sets available on a race weekend to the teams from 13 to 11. Now this obviously helps with things such as freight and the amount that Pirelli is taking to every race, which obviously reduces F1's carbon footprint just a little bit. But it also means that the run plans through the weekend do look a little bit different. So that's why practice is a little bit harder to read than normal. We don't really know who would have done more if they had more tyres available, engine modes, things like that. At Monza especially, it's really, really tricky to know how it will properly unfold. Tomorrow's qualifying session will be an interesting second running of the ATA format, which, when it debuted in Hungary, did seem to contribute to a few surprises, including George Russell's Q1 exit and both Alfa Romeo's making it through to Q3. Pirelli tyre chief Mario Isola said on Friday in the press conference he thought the feedback had been largely positive, despite some grumblings from a few of the drivers. Saturday's running will nevertheless give another large dataset to Formula 1 that will help inform any decision to potentially expand or ditch the format going into next year. One other thing of course to watch out for in qualifying is the games between the drivers to try and get a toe off each other. Both Formula 3 and Formula 2 qualifying today did send into a little bit of madness towards the end as the drivers bunched up together on the back straight before going into Parabolica, everyone trying to get in the perfect place to pick up a toe and not be the man at the front of the queue punching a hole in the air for everybody else to benefit from. We did see a little bit of it in, uh, in FP2. Some of the drivers were maybe getting in the way a little bit more than normal. Others were trying to find gaps. And I do think that it could end up being quite a big story tomorrow if we do see some shocks, maybe a few drivers missing the checkered flag and being left very unhappy. Now, Friday's FIA press conference did give us a chance to check in with some of the team principals, including Andrea Stella and also Red Bull team boss Christian Horner. He addressed some of the comments made by Toto Wolff at Zandvoort last week about the gap between Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez and whether the car might be designed more to suit Verstappen. It's something that Max also spoke about on Thursday and I talked about on yesterday's podcast as something that he just didn't understand. He didn't get where this theory had come from, that the car was more suited to him, saying he simply just adapted to whatever tools he's given. Horner was also pretty direct in explaining that Red Bull simply designs a car to be as quick as possible. It's not about tailoring it to one driver or the other, and that it was simply a case of Verstappen showing impressive adaptability. Horner even went as far as saying Wolf's comment showed, and I quote, a total lack of understanding of how a race car and team develop. Clearly, there is no love loss between the Red Bull and Mercedes sides. 
And finally, to round off Friday at Monza, McLaren marks the end of the European season by putting on a tremendous pub quiz night for the media. It did end in a 1-2 finish for the Sky Sports F1 teams who were actually tied on points at the very end of the quiz and it was eventually decided on a tiebreaker with victory going to lead commentator David Croft and company. My team wound up finishing fourth. We were doing really well right up to the last round until we bottled the final music question, something I do have to take more than my fair share of responsibility for. But it was nevertheless a really fun evening, so a huge thank you to McLaren. Events like that, as I talked about on the Thursday pod, such as the track run, it's a great way to just bring the paddock all together, to get everyone in social situations. We travel the world all together, and there's a lot of sacrifices, there's a lot of struggles that people face, obviously being away from home so much. So to have these kind of things that I think help bond friendships and just make it a really social fun time, they are really, really important. So yeah, a huge thank you to McLaren for putting that on. But tomorrow is when we will get back to the serious stuff of qualifying for the Italian Grand Prix at Monza. It promises to be a close and exciting session, so make sure you join me once again for all of the analysis and insight from the paddock tomorrow evening on Pit Pass F1. I will talk to you then. Thanks very much to Luke, who's in the Monza paddock all this weekend, and better luck next year for the quiz. Make sure you don't miss an update for the Italian Grand Prix by subscribing to Pit Pass F1 wherever you get your favourite podcasts. And you can visit us at pitpassmotorsports.com. While you're there, check out the Pit Pass Motorsports blog, powered by Podium Life, featuring racing articles and motorsport industry news. You can also keep up to date with goings-on between episodes by following Luke on social media. Just check the links in the show description. My name's Michael Laminato. Pit Pass F1 is an evergreen podcast. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.